actually. Aquaman or The Flash? Uh, I, I've not Quick. seen. I've not seen. I've not. I've not concentrated. I've, I've not seen. Ah, I start again. I'm not stuck. Quick. Stop. Stop. I'm not. Seen, Unbelievable. I'm not. Just saying the Flash. Uh, yeah, the Flash. Because I've Jesus not seen Aquaman. Christ. Tenant's very breathy. Donna! Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you remember when Tenant would get really serious as the doctor? And he'd be like, that is what I think, that is what I do. Yeah. I over enunciate every single word. Like a really annoyed English teacher when he had yes. to do coursework. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like Donna we, Noble! Yeah. Like we loved him, but like, you know, he, he commanded respect. And then, and then, like, like a teacher that you you give a gift to at the end of the year, you get really emotional. You do yeah, most time. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I can't believe it. So you got to do the yeah. major crescendo. Oh, of course, like the the eureka moment. Yes, of course, yeah. Doctor. You've been traveling through time and space. Yeah, you know. Whereas Matt yeah. Smith would have been a bit more whoa, over Rory. Crack, cracks in the wall, space cracks and time. Space. No, that's no. Yeah, he would do yeah. the whispery fumbling yes. bit. Yeah, he'd sort of yes, into of himself, into the self fumbling with the theme. Yeah. And then I never watched after that. <laughs> so, no, but I think Jodie Whittaker was more like, guys, time and space. Whoa. Yeah. That's why we didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a Savini's thing. Yeah, back we go. No, no, no. no we haven't watched Doctor Who yet. No. Anyone's listening. The, the recap, but we Looks probably bad. will because I also was just realizing, like, obviously there's a lot of joy and it's been marketed very well, but I yeah. do realize it is a huge hard reset. And they've they've like, got David Tennant back again from everything. the 50th. Everyone, yeah. Everyone back to, they've literally rewound to 2008. You said the other day, you think it's an attempt to sort of bring it back yeah. just a bit. Yeah, yeah, they do, they, I mean, I, thank you. Yeah, but I, I had forgotten I mentioned it the other day. So <laughs> yes. well done for just coming in before I repeat my whole thing. But yeah, I was just, I just, it, it was, it's more with on the radio when they're like, Donna Noble had to wipe her memory. And I, I, if she remembers, she will die. And I'm like, Christ, yeah, 15 years ago, yeah. we're going straight back to that, are we? Anyway, we haven't seen it, so we won't no. talk about it anymore. I also, like, I, I, do, I will watch it, and I do want to watch it. Oh, I, am, I have told you I'm in a very slow rewatch. Of, mm. I'm currently in season two. And it's going to sort of um, interfere with my own timeline, no pun intended. Oh, yes. Honest. Like, I'm sort of very much enjoying... I've really not touched it since I watched it when it came out. And now I'm rediscovering it and very much enjoying it. And now I'm going to go back to the future, again, no pun intended film podcast, mm. to go to this bit. So I'm, if it's really good, if you guys tell me it's really good, please write in to podcast.com. I'll be like, okay, I'll watch it. Not to be shallow about people's appearance, but well, I look at David Tennant, who I think is 50, I want to say. Oh, I he's think doing he's well. He's oh, doing well. I think he, he, he looks like he runs. Yes. He eats his greens. He's got, yeah. He's very lean. Slender, sleek. You know, Pilates taut. even. Yes. Yeah. He looks, particularly when he would do something like staged, which was that lo- lockdown comedy thing you do with Martin Sheen. <laughs> he like, looks like he runs. He just, he, he does. He looks yeah. like he runs. He's, he's got a kind of like marathon runner, kind of yeah. lean, you know. Large black coffee for breakfast. Fava beans and broccoli. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Black, obviously, yeah. with coffee. No dairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no dairy, no. Clings no to dairy. the jowls. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm an actor, damn it. Yeah. Him and Michael Sheen just like cross-legged on the stage, just chatting through the yeah. script. Like, <laughs> well, Michael Sheen's got a different vibe. He's very Convenient. shaggy now. Yeah, like his beard, and you know, he's sort of kind of more wholesome. I like them together. They're good fun. Hmm. Never saw Good Omens though. I watched an episode. 
with Tanner because we thought Michael <laughs> Sheen, David Osmond. <laughs> we were like, uh, we just didn't get it. You know when you hear words from actors' mouths, but it just doesn't come through. Yeah, it just bounces like, straight. I up, hear yeah. it. I speak English. Mm-hmm. I understand English, but for some reason, I just don't understand the concept. Mm. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my <laughs> I, mouth? I think if I like didn't know I watch a lot of things, I would think I was stupid. I just yeah. didn't get it. But I was like, no, I I do get things. Mm. <laughs> I just didn't get this one, and that's okay. Welcome to episode 104 of Pop Kitchen, where James is wearing a new knit. Yeah, it, it is a new knit. Uh, yeah. It's 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 giving it's giving it, it looks like the maze in Saltburn. I was saying it's giving Loki vibes. This is what oh, uh, it's like, all the timelines. Yeah, Whoa. TVA employee seven on the Christmas party oh, could really? wear this. Yeah, I suppose. That. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, this kind of scheme. I, I see the. I see the heavily inspired by the Shining maze in oh, Saltburn. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, yeah. I was like, oh, here's the Shining maze. And sure enough, Emerald Fennel in an interview with um, Letterbox was like, The Shining, I love The Shining. She's, she does sound like Richard E. Grant. She does. That's a bit too much for like Richard E. Grant. But she's like, Oh God, I love Letterboxd. Yeah. Letterboxd. We're going to be she talking about so- Saltburn later. Saltburn. Saltburn. Hey, Saltburn. My favourite was, uh, which we'll get on to, but when uh, Jacob and Lordy like, <laughs> Except, oh, accepts oh, the bike. Oh, mate, are you fucking serious? Yeah, oh, mate. mate, that's so fucking cool of you. Yeah. Oh, God, mate. Are you, are you serious? Oh, my God. Loved it. But not a terrible British accent. It was it, far, perfectly fine. It's aware we, of we it. We forget that he's actually Australian. Yes. I always think that, I think the switch from Australian to English is much easier than Definitely. American to. Definitely. Yeah. No, mate. God. Oh, God, mate. Oh, yeah. That's just like terrible yeah and he was oh yeah i didn't hear we're not we're not doing this we're not doing the saltburn review now no, we'll do it, we'll in, a, in, it. A, in, a, in a later this episode but we're gonna be talking about saltburn and george you've also seen may december cc i have which is available i think in most parts of the world on netflix but in the uk is a sky release yeah you know how that happens sometimes like everywhere i google it it's like netflix netflix Netflix. but in the uk it's like sky original sky 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 News. <laughs> Sky News. We can't, we can't stop. No, no, we can't, we can't stop. stop really that. I, I, yes. I'm really, I'm, I know that post-COVID, the streaming services, the studios are experimenting with this, like, it's a streaming film, but it's also going to be released. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great, it's out. Sort of. Yes. You can see there are two, like, at any popular cinema chain, mm-hmm. multiplex, there's like two screenings. There's, at- a, there's a 10.48 on yeah. a Tuesday, yeah. or there's a Sunday at 9 p.m. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's out. Like, okay, well, but you won't see it. <laughs> I'm not going to see that. So May, December and Saltburn are, are very different films, but I would actually like to talk at some point in this episode mm. about how they sit side by side because there are there is actually like a similarity. And I saw them one night after the other and I'm really glad I did because I came okay. out and I was like, huh, those things actually overlap in this area. And oh, I yeah. say they kind of help review the other film. Oh, nice. But we will start... With May, December. Talk about the bonus this week. I uh, went to a lovely little film night and watched Peter Jackson's Bad Taste from the 1980s. Mm. Uh, so I'll be giving some thoughts on that. I also caught Bottoms. Yes, quite You a, can yes. check George's original review from a couple of weeks ago, but I've now seen Bottoms. And we've both seen the first four episodes of part one of, the, of season six of The Crown. The Crown. Very much a hot topic in the press, much totally. discussed. Part two um, coming in hot. Part two coming in December. Premier we've seen, coming soon. Yeah, we've seen part, part one and we will be discussing that. That is the bonus this week. That's so bonus. crown, bottoms, bad taste. Love it. So May, December, which we first mentioned uh, when we were talking about uh, the films that were going to be coming up in the London Film Festival. There's an mm. episode we did in like August or September. But <laughs> for those who... What, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't May. <laughs> wasn't May, it wasn't no. December. Um, for those who aren't aware of the film, 
Uh, it's a film starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. I don't know why it's not. For some reason, my Reached. brain went Juliette Binoche, but it's not Juliette Binoche. <laughs> I thought you were going to be sick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's do that again. <laughs> May, December, a film starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, which is getting kind of a, you know, a small release, but mm. is important because not only does it have it two great stars in it, it is directed by Todd Haynes, a filmmaker I particularly like. Todd Haynes has directed Carol, Dark Waters, Far From Heaven, a really interesting good director and there's a lot of good talk about this film coming out of the festival circuit very actory very good performances and i was like yes todd haynes is back and not only is he back the he he is a, not a, a sharp director who's kind of pivoted because on the one hand you have something like carol which is huge and mm. uh so uh, you know beautiful and seeped in nostalgia and in the 50s and you haven't seen it have you uh no yeah good film to watch great actually around this time it's it, there's a, a significant portion of the film is most of the film actually is set between Christmas and New Year in, oh, great. in like the 50s in New York. And it's with the snow and the red hats and the, 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 the carrying the old fashioned gift. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, nice. It's to, okay. To, okay. Anyway. Yeah, lovely. Um, and, but then Dark Waters, by contrast, was something that was kind of stripped of all of his style and was very much about the story that they were telling, which is a great film. Anyway, so May, December. Do you know, because uh, it's not in the film, I had to look it up afterwards. Do you know mm. what May, December means? No, it's urban in urban dictionary, or, or or it's it's parlance. It's a colloquial phrase meaning uh, two people who are in a relationship of different ages. So someone's um, in the springtime of their yeah, life, and someone's, someone's about in the winter. to die. Like, well, not about to die. <laughs> it's a really interesting uh, film. This one, it's a drama, but it's got overtones of melodrama and um, thriller and investigation. So the story is this. Natalie Portman plays a successful, famous television actress called Elizabeth. And the film begins with her arriving in Savannah, Georgia, in, you know, beautiful height of the summer. It's very hot, lots of houses overlooking the, you know, the, the Delta. Never been to Georgia, but I, I've seen it in the films. And she is there to spend a lot of time sort of shadowing, visiting, and looking at and accompanying Julianne Moore's character, um, Julianne Moore's character, uh, Gracie. And Gracie is a, in her, I think, her late 50s, 60s now, lives um, at home with her husband, uh, Joe, who is 36. There's quite an age gap there. And they have uh, a set of twins and, and, another, and another child. And it, you, you begin with this kind of barbecue that's sort of uh, honouring the fact that Elizabeth, Natalie Portman's character, has come to visit. And Natalie Portman is going to play Gracie, in a television series. Uh, sorry, not in a television series. He's going to play Gracie in a film. So she's kind of coming as a kind of method actor to kind of study that. And you're aware as the film begins that it's clearly a film based on something that happened in Gracie's life uh, several years before. And um, Natalie Portman's just like, I just believe in truth. You know, I just want to get to the to the heart of it. And I just, you know, she's like overly sincere. You know, I just want to mm. get to tell your story. And um Meanwhile, Gracie, which is Julianne Moore, she's, she speaks with this uh, very uh, distinct uh, lisp. You know, well, I am sort of um, naive and um, it just makes this kind of quirky kind of um, uh, super kind of naive, yeah, naive person. Mm. Anyway, anyway. So the thing is, so you you open the film. Blah, blah, blah. Let me do that again. So you open the film, you're wondering what it is, what is Natalie Portman there to see and what is, what is she investigating? And the thing is that you quickly learn that Gracie and Joe, when Gracie was 36, 
when, which is the age that both Natalie Portman and Joe is now, when Gracie was 36, she had a relationship with Joe when he was 13. She, and it was a tabloid scandal. And this is stuff, I mean, this is the essential premise of the film. You learn this in little bits and pieces, but by 20, 25 minutes in, you do know this is part of the story yeah. and is significant. So they had this tabloid scandal in the past. And the story is loosely based on some true stories that have happened in the States, but like, it's really, this is fictionalized here. Scandalous relationship mm. in which that Gracie spent some time in jail. They have children now. And now Joe is the age that she was when their relationship began. Uh, but of course, Gracie was obviously taken to prison because of yeah, that's a crime to 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 begin a relationship be with clear. a minor. <laughs> but anyway, we, we stand on the issue. So you have this kind of massively sort of tabloid, juicy story in the past. You have Natalie Portman coming into to wanting to tell the truth, and meanwhile, you know Elizabeth J- Julianne Moore is there thinking, you know, well, we want you, we want you to come in because we want to get our story out there. You know, the the the, the right side, the people that didn't see beyond the, the tabloids. Um, it's more like a December, February, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and f- what's really interesting is this kind of um, uh, play on the investigative story. So, you know, we used to films where it's a police procedural and we're used to journalists tracking it down. We're, in some recent years, we've had like podcasters, you know, being the kind of narrative spin. This is a nice little twist on that with it being about uh, an actor coming in and really studying people. And of course, the kind of, the, the question the film presents is like, does this arrival of this other person, of Natalie Portman, um, fresh um, shed fresh light on the, on the story? Does she actually bring pressure herself onto this relationship? Is this relationship, however sort of scandalous as it was in the past, is it actually perfectly functional and fine? Is there some sort of ulterior predatory? Is there something predatory about Natalie Portman's presence, actually? You know, what, what is she trying to gain from sort of leeching off of this story? And you have this very tense setup where uh, you've got, you know, tension between Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, but you've also got sexual tension between Julianne Moore and her husband and also Natalie Portman and, and Joe, Julianne Moore's husband. And you've got, of course, got this awkwardness with the fact that Joe is a grown man, but obviously this thing happened in his past. His, the, the, significantly, the, the the story takes place in like the week before the children's graduation. So there's this looming spectrum of like the, his children themselves are going to grow up and move on. Anyway, um, so I, I think the film on the whole is I was I. It's one of those times when I was on the whole I was like really kind of enthralled and interested and beguiled but I was also mystified and a bit frustrated as well. That's not to say there's not good stuff in it. I think that the first thing is that the direction by Todd Haynes is, is great. It's like really in, intelligent, sharp, uh, implicit, subtle di- directing. You immediately feel like he is laying out all the pieces of this story and you really kind of paying attention, looking at all of the ways that characters interact and speak with each other and the hidden meanings and you know there's lots of playful things that your mind can spin off on like there's joe keeps uh insects it's like his hobby and there's this whole idea of like letting you have to protect an insect and let it form its chrysalis and then it's time to be set free but once if you keep it for too long and um there's this conversation around Julianne Moore's character about her existence. Like she lives in the community, but is she sort of living in a kind of bubble that's being enabled and facilitated by a few people? Um, It's just got this kind of um, 
Todd Haynes has always had a really good handle on melodrama. So something like Carol and also something like Far From Heaven, which he made in 2002, all the time with Julianne Moore, except for Carol, but like Julianne Moore and him clearly close creative relationship. And Far From Heaven was a kind of play on the 1950s melodramas of Douglas Sirk and and you know Carol has a little bit in that as well. But but even though this film on the surface is played very straight, what works is that Haynes is able to um, acknowledge and kind of play up the kind of soapy uh, melodramatic theme at its heart because you kind of have this like soapy you know, tabloid story and television actress, not film actress, coming in to try and make something. And he acknowledges that with like, you have these kind of quirky character traits, like I said, with Julianne Moore with the lisp, you have the kind of... Um, slightly stiff performances and odd phrasing and you have very um deliberate strident piano chords and strings that are very like telenovela very mm. daytime tv but um it's got a really wicked sense of humor as well um and i think that, so it's just great to see todd haynes working uh, as good as he is the performances like in a way, like Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, like we, it, you kind of take them for granted because they're always so good. And it's like, you know, I can confirm that this is another good Natalie Portman performance mm. and it's another good Julianne Moore performance. But Charles Melton, who plays Joe, who plays Natalie Portman's husband, is really great. He's less of a known actor. I think he's been in Riverdale. I think that's his only kind oh, of known I've thing. Heard about that show. You've heard about that show? Yeah. 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 Not seen it. I've, I've heard about like, I heard like is it scandalous no it's like a little bit uh memed yes I see yes anyway he he's great in this because he I think up against these two sort of acting heavyweights he this role is so interesting of someone who you know like I said is kind of matured but isn't matured and and is in the process of seeing his children mature but is is happy but is he happy and particularly towards the later stages of the film, the performance he has to do is, is, is brilliant. And you see the kind of agony and anguish that Joe is in as a character. And I was like, ah, oh, he's the kind of like thread that really come, comes through in here. I really, really enjoy watching him. Um, I just think for me, if you kind of sense that I'm kind of tiptoeing around stuff, it's that I love the, I think that the story is really interesting. I think the performances are great. I think some of the scenes are excellent and intelligent. And I, I can tell that there is stuff in there being laid out for me. And also I know that coming out of the film, there's definitely stuff that eluded me. There's, there's a couple of things in, in reading about it afterwards and listening up that I went, oh, that's what that thing is doing there. That's what that person is doing in that scene. Which enhanced your experience? Um, or do you think was- uh, It made me feel that I-, I It could be a bit sometimes it, Yeah, sometimes I was like, mm, I don't think that was very clear. But then on the flip side, I was like, I'm willing to give it the benefit of a doubt. I, you've told me that you're probably going to see it this week. Yeah, right? I I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts and talk about it with you yeah um but for me it just didn't quite land that coup de gras like that didn't mm. land that killer blow towards the end where it kind of tied these kind of thematic things together i think i i, I left the, the film thinking i've got lots to think about i keep turning it over my mind but also i just kind of wish it had that that little, mm. that little punch, that like kind of landing in there. At least it gives you a lot to think about, but yes, not, but you're still like not quite sure. It's right? kind the worst. Yes. It's worse is when it's the other way around. It's like I've, I've I've like got all the pieces, and the the instruction manual is over. Yeah, and I'm like I don't think this is quite built yet in my mind, <laughs> yeah. but I will keep going. And I keep I don't, <laughs> turn the instructions. Are, are there pieces the missing, or yeah. or is this the end of the design? Yeah. Um, so that that's it. Go see it for great performance all around, but also mainly from Charles Melton. Mm. Um, 
Todd Haynes has ever been a good director. It's written by, um, or the story at least is by Sammy Birch, who was used to be a casting director. She cast most of the Hunger Games movies. Oh, right. And she's pivoted into writing. Um, and apparently it was a red-hot script. Natalie Portman produces it. Um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear um, what other people think about it because it's kind of knotty and implicit. Um, and I'll talk about it also after we've done Saltburn as well as, as the two sort of stand side by side. But if you want kind of, yeah, like I said, suppressed tension, sexual tension, psychosexual tension, oh. uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. It's always an interesting um, sort of plot device when you have a character who's tasked with studying another character and the audience gets to learn alongside that character as well about that character or that relationship. Mm. Like, similar to, to Anatomy of a Fool even. Like the yes. court case and the, the biopsy and the forensics actually, inherently reveals everything there's quite about a good, that. Yeah, it's quite a good... Um, that's actually quite a good comparison because like an asked me before, you have a kind of an app, a, a, a viewing apparatus being applied to a relationship. Yeah. In that case, it's the legal aspect. Public perception, <laughs> yeah. legal. Yeah. And this one, it's the kind of, you know, actory performance element mm. to it. And, you know. And that sense of being in your best behavior. Also, a trauma that happened in the past, does that still affect a relationship? Yeah. Um, there's one shot in it in particular that, I, that towards the end that I was like, oh yeah, I, I like, I said, even though I said that, it didn't, I felt like it didn't land that killer like blow. There was one shot towards the end that I went, oh, that's like emotionally landed a beat for me there. Okay. Um, that, and it worked, but I don't know, just a little bit thinking, I need, I, need, I, need, I, need some, I need some other people's thoughts to kind of- I look forward to finding that. out that little missing ingredient if I can, but probably not. Uh, the, the, but that, that, the, that, that beat at the end is really good. Anyway, that's May, December. Please let us know your thoughts. To hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Thank you. Let's move on to Saltburn, George. Thank you very much. Thank you. Shall I go now? Okay. Thank you very much. So next up is a bigger film release from this week, which is Saltburn, directed by Emerald Fennel. Second feature from Emerald Fennel. I think Fennel. Fennel. I not think like I, the food. I used to call her Fennel like the food, but apparently yeah. it's Fennel. Fennel. Like you know. Is it double L at the end? Uh, yes, but I think, but also <laughs> it's just apparently how she says it. So second feature from Emerald Fennel. Thank you. Like Nicholas Flamel. But fl- anyway, um, uh, Promising Young Woman, a film that I think you're a bit mixed on slash you just don't like. I don't like it. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm, I'm aware that people quite like it, but I, I, like, I, I dislike it just for fairly simple reasons, which is like, I was, I was very excited. I was so excited to see that film. Yeah. And it got delayed because of COVID. I was yeah. really up for it. I think it had a great, I think it does have a great premise. Very striking great imagery, striking concept. Yeah, all that stuff. But um, I just, I, I just think it's really poor in places. I think, the, I think the script is really poor. I think the dialogue's poor. Which is interesting because it got nominated for it won. best uh, sorry, it won, won, won best script original screenplay, which is uh, bizarre to me. I'm sorry. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I just found that I found the, the the dialogue really bad. I thought the character motivation was bad. The logic of it was bad. It just, it just didn't work for me. I'm aware that that film was made mm-hmm. in very short time on a very small budget. I do think Carrie Mulligan is great in that. I think there are narrative decisions in it that make no sense. And mm-hmm. it kind of, it flits and pulls its punches. And I just, when I think about that film, I just go, oh yeah, mm-hmm. ev- everyone ran away to write the essays about what the film is about with yeah. no one talked about the execution of that film. And yeah, the ideas are kind of interesting, but the way that that film executes those ideas, I'm just like, no, that's quite sloppy. You didn't, you thought the similar thing, I thought, uh, yeah, I, th- I, d- I don't think I was affected by it. Uh, I don't think I was affected in the way that you were, but I overall enjoyed it. I don't, I, for me, it wasn't uh, the best original screenplay. 
I thought you I thought you were lukewarm on it. Yeah, it was fine. I, I think that I liked about it. I don't think it stuck with me and I didn't I was not picking my brain on it for a long time. Mm. I like Harry Mulligan and a lot think, of things and I think it, Yeah, it was I think like sort of the last act, like the, the stroke five, I was a little bit like, uh, okay, stretch. Interesting <laughs> idea, interesting thing to tackle. I, I just think I just think I think in a way it's, it's, it, what happened more at the time was that so many people were, were running or like running away with this film and, and talking about what this film meant and what I'm like, oh, yeah. it's so great because this, and I, and I, I think it kind of irritates me because when I sat down to watch it, I was like, yeah, but the, the car, you're talking about how far, the, how fast this car can run. But for me, it, the wheels are off of it, you know, like it doesn't like it, it can't actually function. Well, George, you're not alone oh, because anyway, I, I think despite, 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 despite seeing, I, I saw that two and a half years ago, give me another yes. two and a half years and I'll rewatch it. Sure. It would be, be a good bonus for you to sit down and yes. try and understand it. But anyway, you're not alone in your criticism of it. There are other people who also share that criticism. I think it'd be safe to say Promise Young Woman had a mixed reception despite being on paper very well received. This now we have Saltburn, which is her follow-up, well, not follow-up, but um, you know her next film that she's directed and it is starring Barry Keoghan and Jacob Elordi, Rosamund Pike. And it is all about a character named Oliver Quick who starts at Oxford. We get this wonderful long opening shot to mm. a noughties Oxford sweeping through the start of the year. And um, uh, Oliver is uh, on a scholarship. He got in because he's got very good grades and he, you know, he turns up looking very smart, sort of aspirationally dressed for Oxford. Mm. And what we get, which is very common of a lot of stories about the Oxbridge experience, is this, uh, not so much a clash, but a melting pot of classes in a very opulent and exaggerated mm. environment, which is the Oxford University experience. And who do we see uh, sort of godlike, beautiful, casual, comfortable in his own skin is Jacob Elordi, who's plays a character called Felix, who's very much at the centre of this existing crowd, very comfortable in his own skin. And uh, Oliver very much looking on that group, really sort of, you can tell he's trying to find a way in, trying to sort of, uh, you know, lots of films we can compare to this, a la Talents of Mr. Ripley, yeah, Brideshead, huge. Brideshead Revisited, yeah. really does wear those honestly. I, I also thought The Adams Family, in oh, a way yes. which you can get like just the, like a the gothic sense of yeah. it but all the family having their own quirks yeah anyway um one day uh oliver is riding his bike through oxford and he sees felix broken down on his bike slumped over and because he's got a puncture on his wheel and he says oh do you know what let me you can take my bike i'm just going to walk back mm. to the library anyway to return some books and felix is like oh mate that's like so are yeah, you fucking serious so that's really fucking cool Bloody of you legend. oh mate jacob alordi really doing a mm. um a decent English accent. In and 2007 as well. Yes, yeah, so it's Naughties. The Livestrong wristbands yeah. are on there. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. Livestrong brand took me back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember those? Yeah, of course I used to wear one. Yeah. Every, everyone. Was there a and scandal? And also the polo shirt. Well, no, there was a tsunami relief one was a scam, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know, but, but the, obviously no one wore the Livestrong after the Lance Armstrong kind yes. of. Yes, yeah, yes. But anyway, anyway, yeah, that really took me back. So it was noughties and uh, one day he's at the pub and there's this sort of other friend who's at Oxford who represents like the other side of like who you could hang out with at Oxford who's not quite as aspirational. Um, played brilliantly, but he played, he was in House really of the Dragon. Ewan Mitchell. He played the basically- he, Yes, he was, he was, I was thinking- oh, I can't remember the Inuit, names. Of, was it? Oh, it could be any version the of- The same one that did the horrible- Lots villainous. of chin, underbite. Uh, yes. Underbite. Hello there. Great. Like really lightly like, run for a money yeah. with the underbite. Enjoy. I enjoy seeing him yeah, in yeah. stuff. He's but really I was good. like, oh, that's right. Long white hair, eye patch. Yeah. Totally. And he's at the pub one day and Felix just was like, oh mate, this guy saved me. Come, come, blah, blah, blah. And you know, he sort of gets semi-integrated into this group. And through certain circumstances, Felix says, hey, why don't you come over to 
my my family's place, Saltburn. Saltburn. Brighthead. Saltburn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gorgeous, stately manor with wings, east, west, a library. This moment where he tours him through this mm. incredible, slightly terrifying in terms of how big and empty and like little mm. haunted house vibes, but opulent palace-esque bedrooms, four-poster beds, mm. you know, gorgeous gardens with proscenium arches and symmetrical water mm. features and a maze. Yeah. And he's got parents in uh, Rosamund Pike Brilliant. and Richard E. Grant, Brilliant. who I think we're both just having a lot of fun with. Yeah. Richard E. Grant just gulping every word. Yeah, this absolutely. Just swallowing <laughs> every sword bad. Absolutely. Dear boy. But even the sword is Oh gosh, is that what they do? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but he's good. He's really North, isn't he? Perfectly cast. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And also, may I just say, with Rosamund Pike, whenever I see, who I think is great in this, every time mm. I see Rosamund Pike, I'm always like, can you be in more things? Yeah. Why are you not in a more? really interesting, or I think it'd be wrong to assume she always does the same thing. She I think she always does something different. Yeah, I think she does as well. From Die Another Day to Gone Girl but to her, this. Yeah, her performance is always very sharp. Really yeah. Cut through. Calculated. You feel kind of slightly sinister. Yeah. But beautiful. You only speak to someone at a party and it's like they were nice oh yeah but do I they hate me do they, do what they were they trying me? to get <laughs> anyway you've also got uh archie Medecque, who i recently saw in gran turismo right colon a true story <laughs> <laughs> who plays farley who's uh sort of a, 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 his cousin isn't he sort of sort like, of like like a familial cousin a familial like. cousin who's also in this environment where he's sort of got this slightly interesting dynamic of trying to receive something mm. from their family and, and also staying there mm. being also of a, of a different class and being aware of certain dynamics like like oliver is you've got Car carrie mulligan in there who plays pamela yeah. who's uh, uh, again an, another dynamic of someone who's probably overstayed their welcome which kind of becomes relevant later um yeah the film basically goes on you've got barry kewen who at first seems to be this very sort of curious inquisitive aspirational person but what you start to realize and this isn't really a spoiler that he has a sort of very dark mm. sinister undertone to him where he's trying yes. to essentially occupy and take over and yeah yeah i would know i was i would say that if you like where it marks i would say act one is brighter 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 yes and then in the pivot to act two is Massive slide into the talented Mr. Ripley. A little bit of skins in there. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's but you've got beautiful, lush, four by three visuals, mm. bright, saturated, um, colorful, really sort of, um, what did I say? I said lo loads of scenes in there where I said, mm. that looks beautiful. And then some other scenes where my eyes went like that. Yes. Yeah. And we all know the scenes if, Goodness. You, if you see them. There's a sort of uh, my, a, my. a dark, gothic, psychosexual. Yeah element running through this entire thing lots of red lights alluding to seduction and yeah. temptation all, all there lots, Look at the of, lots of color beautiful like camera moves in the 360 where you know he's lying down and there's a there's a super soaker and a colorful towel draped yeah. over a novel and it's all just very much there george i'll start with you into coming into saltburn how did you get on with it all together so very good introduction by the way oh thank you i don't even know where i've been thinking a lot this week about where to start with talking about this mm. because i do I did. I did prefer it to Promising Young Woman. I do immediately. Yeah. I was very much like, oh, Me I, too. I can see Emerald Fennell has has like, has like um, progressed as a filmmaker. She has great. I mean, probably what helps is the fact that by uh, by reward of her winning an Oscar, she was able to have a, a bigger budget and yeah. um, a longer filming time. And I think that pays off totally. But yeah, within the first five minutes, I was like, oh yeah, I can see she's she's really got a strong stronger grip on this. Um, and I, 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 you talked about like the the use of color and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I like, I like the kind of playful gothicness and it's very hammy and the 
for me, like the saltburn text as well. Yes. And like, but it's red and pink yes. or something. And yeah. it's kind of like, um, do you know? Do you know about jallos? So jallo is a no. like a, a, a genre or subgenre of horror, which is uh, heavily influenced by Italian films. So oh, okay. um, uh, Dario Argento and Suspiria and like all those gotcha. kind of films okay, are, like, right. are like very much jallos. And actually, um, you know, they're they're big on color and they're very beautiful. And so, if anyone has seen Suspiria, like Saltburn, you have you know light bled through a curtain, which then makes the room incredibly red mm. and. You, and strong yellows and and heavily portentous rain and basically like a gothic thriller and giallo actually comes from the italian word for yellow which references the the color of the paperbacks the kind of pulpy paperbacks you'd get in a library you know these kind of cheap thrill novels like b-movies kind of like text kind of things right that's where giallo comes from um but so there's kind of all that i think i i finished it i came out and i was Picking up all those bits that I thought was interesting, great attention to detail for 2007. Mm. Although I will say, for a film set in the summer of 2007, I was surprised to have not heard Niles Barkley's Crazy once. Because <laughs> you couldn't everywhere. move in that summer for that. <laughs> it, was it was on everyone's over. Bebo page. You're right, yeah. Anyway, um, the thing is, what I'm about to say is going to sound like quite harsh, but I, I will explain it. Because I was thinking about the film and I was trying to explain it to someone mm. and I thought, do you know what it is? The film is absolute trash, okay? The film is absolute trash. But I don't necessarily mean that or entirely mean that as a bad thing. It's trashy. It's it, trashiness as an aesthetic, okay? Let me just, just, just hold on a second. So you have an, this aesthetic, this oversaturated, very much music video I found aesthetic yeah. has a kind of commercial trashiness to it. You know, the kind mm. of everything dialed up, kind of pop colors like i kind of feels trashy the high like i said the giallo the kind of pulpy trashy roots of this kind of over the top style you have the kind some of the the imagery in it is like is trashy because it's just shocking for shocking sake the stuff that barry keoghan does in this which i was just like you're just if you've seen it you know the scenes we're but talking I was about just like okay because you can i guess yeah. I, I felt like emerald fennell was just you know including the shocking imagery which is mm. fine um the noughties were trashy I was looking at this yeah. and I was reminded of that. I mean, recently, sorry, this is a slight dark pivot, but recently when I watched the Dispatches documentary about Russell Brand, mm. to, which immediately takes you back to the noughties, noughties TV. and how toxic that kind of culture Tabloid. was at the time and how kind of, ugh. And, and Emerald Fennell has talked about how 15, you know, wherever you are in time, 15 years ago always seems really like, off and bleak you need to wait to it to be 25 for it's cool again exactly yeah. right so so the so the naughty setting in itself is kind of trashing this is all very crucially 2007 i think pre-2008 and the crash totally. that kind of came and wipes everything through the humor is trashy it's puerile it's toilet mm. humor it's gross out it's very twisted um like and surrealist that, and, and that's good and it's that's kind of fine it's 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 high-end trash and and I, that that is not a problem. I don't say that necessarily as a criticism, because you can be you know because the film is very daft and silly. It becomes progressively daft and silly and ridiculous. But that's fine in and of itself. My issue is is kind of two things. The first is that I I really lost patience in the last half an hour. Mm-hmm. I really I was I, I and also I felt the film rushed its last half an hour when it was a bit like when I talked to May December about trying to deliver a coup de gras when mm-hmm. you're trying to deliver a really kind of. Uh, moment they were like yeah, yeah, yeah and then this and this and this and i thought guys you know emerald please like don't 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 rush it um i think also look there is no denying it really does borrow 
heavily from Brideshead and turned to Mr. Ripley. We mentioned it there as like in the trailer. We you and like, I said, "Oh, big Brideshead vibes." But it, but, it, we but like it. it, like it really does. And okay, you can draw on that. And then they make a little joke about Brideshead, and because Barry Cohen says, "Oh, your family sounds like a Evelyn War novel," and he says, "Probably like he 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 was obsessed with our family. He wrote half the, half the characters in that book are based off of my family." And right. I was like, oh, "Okay, well, you reference here." But the thing is, is that Brideshead and the town to Mr. Ripley, um, Bryce had turned into a TV show and a film. Town to Mr. Ripley turned into a film from a book. Both of them are like superbly written pieces of work. They're not just text, they are actually incredibly well written. Brideshead is really incisive and Town to Mr. Ripley is really thrilling. And Saltburn is kind of neither of those things. And my point is, I don't mind all those kind of trashy thrills, but there was a couple of times when I felt like the film wanted to be deeper wanted to be satirical wants to kind of um kind of exist in in, in in a kind of wider sense and i thought ah no sorry no i was like that's that, that's where you lose me okay you could so i'm, I'm happy to enjoy the trashy thrills and don't get me wrong this film made me laugh a couple of times yeah me too and it did shock me and i, I enjoyed the kind of titter, titillating trashiness of it but don't don't tell me it's a satire don't stop and tell me that it's about mm. something deeper it's it's a music video. It's a fun, trashy romp. There you go. I agree with basically everything you said. I don't, I don't think I uh, used the same words, but I totally, now you've said it, I go, I totally yeah. see what you mean. So I'm not, the music I'm not video calling it rubbish. I'm not no, calling no, no, it rubbish. I, it's trash is a different meaning. I totally see what you mean. Like all the things I like about it, I think came across in my description of it. Gorgeous production design. Totally. Shot by um, La La Land cinematographer, Lina Sandgren. I, can't, mm. I can only imagine the mood boards they went through, talking mm. about colors and things. Absolutely great. Um, the, the, my interest in the film and specifically that character, and I'm going to try and dance around spoilers because some of my, mm. my, more of my problems with it are to do with plot details, right? Yes, and you'll see like comparing Talents of Rissa Ripley was, was going through my mind the entire time about how that character in Talents of Mr. Ripley and that dynamic was always fascinating to me. Yes. And, and so infatuating. Because it's well, very well written. I mean, that's, sorry. Totally, no, not at all. Totally. And the dynamic is fresh and it's always evolving. Whereas I think the character in Saltburn is unfortunately, despite Barry, Barry Keoghan, Keegan being as brilliant as a he really is. Really great performance, yeah. And he's always got that wonderful sense of someone who's, you know, delicate but incredibly sinister and sort of figuring out what you're saying and trying mm. to portray something he doesn't quite feel. It's all it's all brilliant. I really don't think that character is as interesting as the film thinks it is. Mm, yes. And that totally reveals itself to you, I think especially in the last act, that some of the last scenes felt, what are we going to do to finish this? Yeah. Yeah set this here in that just felt like a lazy last scene yeah. um, there was a moment towards the end where I thought a character was going to do a thing to a person but they didn't but the, my whole audience went oh my god because we'd seen what we had seen <laughs> yeah, yeah. earlier in the film and yet unfortunately it just doesn't stick the landing this this whole idea of somebody who's calculated in I don't want to use the word mm. psychopath but someone who's you know sinister I started having this conversation was like do do we need reasons for someone to be sinister and psychopathic mm. and if they don't i need to know a little bit more about why mm. and i don't think this, this film had this effort of trying to explain to me all this stuff and i was like no i already kind of was there and i mm. could have predicted you were going to do that towards the end i'm mm. really dancing on spoilers here no. but my, my interest sort of hummed at a six and yeah. i don't think it ever got there and that and the ending didn't stick for me yeah but i think, gorgeous look out lovely four by three beautifully yeah, shot that's the thing jacob alordi what a gorgeous beefcake he is i think i think it, uh, yeah it's just about if it was any longer, I think it would. I'd be really more negative. If it lost twenty minutes, I think I would have lasted a bit, a bit better. But I, I agree. Um, I think um, 
yeah, but Barry Cohen, great, like as ever. Yeah, he is kind of a very interesting presence in, in a lot of what he does. And um, the, the thing is about Emerald Fennell is that I, in a way now, was kind of thinking, I would really like you to go and adapt something now, actually. I, I know that sounds really harsh because I basically said, like, don't write something. No, 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 no. Like, but it's more that, like, you clearly have such, like, a vivid, like, style and an and approach. Yeah. And, and an interesting voice, I think. Yeah, a unique I, I, voice. Yes, and I want that kind of approach. In, in the same way, like, Greta Gerwig started with, like, you know, Ladybird made something yeah. and then applied it to Little Women and Barbie. Mm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, can you... I want to see you kind of interrogate something else. You, mm. you basically kind of did it with Brideshead here, mm. you put your own spin on it. Why didn't you go and... Uh, and similarly, sorry, like, love what she did with Barbie. So excited for her to go and do something completely different next. Yeah, with Gerwig, yeah. Yes, go with Gerwig. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I've been... A, I, just, I just don't think I'm... A, I, I don't think Fennell is as good a writer as she is a director. That's my yeah. thing. I just, I just personally think that... that we, and we can see the direction this and the style. I was just like, look all this style. Mm. Maybe we could just remove that from the script and place it somewhere else. I'd love to talk some spoilers with you either off camera or on. Or we should do it on the show maybe yeah, in a sure. couple of weeks. We can address it, especially if you guys send emails in. Speaking of emails, Khadija, friend of the show, writes in with an email saying, Saltburn! <laughs> Hi, James and George. Love that you guys are talking about Saltburn because I caught it last night to end my birthday weekend. And what an ending it was, both the weekend and the movie. First off, Happy I want to talk about the cast because from top to bottom, it was amazing. Rosamund Pike, mother, was hilarious in her performance. And of course, so is Barry Keoghan. Keegan, Keoghan. I'm so obsessed. We decided. I think, it's, I think it's. I think he said that. I think he might actually say. I think okay. They talked about this on Kermit and Mayo because okay. Barry Cohen said technically it's Cohen, but people he he and a lot of other people say Kogan or Keegan. Kogan. I'm going to say Cohen. I'm going to say Cohen. I'm so obsessed with him playing absolute weirdos who enters people's lives and wreaks havoc. It's what he's best at. Uh, despite the film's slightly disappointing third act, I think we both agree that mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed the movie and how unravelled unrivaled how, uh, how, how it unraveled cinematography was great and the score was even better so much so that i've downloaded it on my spotify now which i rarely do yes good soundtrack yeah uh emerald is two for two in my books and i can't wait to see what she does next p.s it's khadija with a hard j ah. and yes i am the new gen where capitalization in a non-professional setting gives me the ick do you remember last time she emailed yeah, said- and similarly in this email no, not a capital letter to be found <laughs> that's just not how language works i know and so uh, khadija, it's really confusing is, is this is so i'm gonna assume you're i'm gonna assume you're like at least five or six years younger than me just based on that statement but are we a boomers for just saying you need sometimes need a capital letter it it indicates to the reader what you're saying i I, yeah exactly it exists for a reason it's like you're not a youtube vlogger being like morning coffee routine oh i'm gonna give you a video but it's gonna be on mute because i find mutes give me you know the audio gives me the ick khadija thank you for writing into the show also Kevin also writes in about Saltburn. He says, hi, James and George. Hi. First time messaging you guys. It's a joy listening to you guys talk about films in a natural way. And I feel most of my opinions are fairly similarly, similar to you both. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of my favorite films this year, outside of the obvious great blockbusters, uh, you know, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are the unique, often A24 films that have a more interesting style. Uh, and ones that are not afraid to be bold, different and impactful, such as Cat Person, Dream Scenario, Pearl, mm-hmm. Talk to Me, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Saltburn is now added to that impeccable list. There you go. And then bold and underlined thoughts on Saltburn. With capital letters, Khadija. Kevin. No, Khadija. Oh, I saw yeah. <laughs> for a second. I was just like, we've moved on now, yeah, James. Not me. This is Kevin. <laughs> not me. Khadija's still listening. I was so excited and energized after watching it. It was I, I was desperate to talk to people about it, but no one I knew had seen it yet, which was frustrating. 
a masterstroke of cool. This was powerful. So that sounds like I'm taking the piss. No, you, I'm sorry, no, no, Kevin. No, not at all. I think I, you, you it's just, the way you wrote it. The yeah, ma- masterstroke of way. cool. This was powerful, dark, twisted, and hilarious at times in the most uncomfortable way. Emerald Fennell wrote and directed this as well as Promising Young Woman. And she needs many awards for this insane, beautifully shot and edited masterpiece. Really? Also, she was Midge in Barbie. Ha ha. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Barry Keoghan confidently and bravely attacks this character and you can't keep your eyes off of him. He's a subtle stud. Mm. And the, he is. How about that last point. scene? Hey, how about it, buddy? <laughs> and the focus is meant to be transferred to the desirable Felix character, played by Jacob Elordi, but Keoghan is so bizarre and interesting, he's always the main attraction. This is a stunning film to, to watch, especially in the cinema, watched in the newly opened... Uh, cinema in place of location. I'm just trying to keep it generic. Yes. As every shot looks artistic, perfectly lit and composed. I mean, I, I do agree. Can I just say, I do, there were some shots that thought, oh, gorgeous. Lovely. Gorgeous to look at. Music Thank video. God. Um, uh, it's impossible to tear your eyes away. I'm very excited to see what everyone involved here does next as I was blown away, especially Elordi in the new Priscilla film as well. Yeah. Which he, he impressed. He's also very good in Priscilla. For a, gentle, for a gentle meandering plot, this film draws you in as you know something is happening though you can't put your finger on it yet until it ramps up towards the end, giving you a shocking finale. I loved seeing a personal favourite Rosamund Pike being an entirely horror of a mother who is still oddly endearing and very entertaining. Also, Richard E. Grant, perfectly cast as the slightly eccentric James Catter. You've, you've written this, Kevin, I must say, very detailed, like an S, like 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 a, like an assignment for a teacher. Like yeah. you, when you mention a character, you you explain who plays them. Yeah. And when you mention an actor, you explain which character for they the play. Audience. It's, it's like great. broadcasting. It is very helpful. The soundtrack was unnerving, really dramatizing at the tense moments, and euphoric early noughties songs contrasted well late noughties contrasting the atmosphere at times what a great year for films this is definitely one of the best of the year extraordinary cast lovely written and directed sorry if that's a bit long but i hope you guys agree many thanks guys keep up the good work especially love playing along with games at the end which i'm sure which i'm either great or terrible at great fun always makes me smile much love kev smiley face lego george do you think because that's that's two two reviews much more positive than our takes on it do you think it's going to be another one where people are like yay or massive I don't know. You, maybe, you're more of a nay on. Uh, no, I, I, women, I think. But. I think. I, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it, it could be a bit of a spell. I think some people are gonna maybe really go into it, like mm. Kevin did. I. I feel like I must say, like I didn't. I, I really don't. I don't have any sort of like strong. I don't have a strong. No, I say you're a nay on promising. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this, I'm kind of. Yeah, you and I, are kind of like. Yeah, yeah there's something lots of in, enjoyable elements. stuff in there. I don't know if I'd watch it again. There are like specific plot things I think I could go into detail of. Yeah, I'm try, I'm try, I, don't, I don't want to spoil it for people because it can be. Spoiled. I don't think it, the whole plot. I wouldn't say the plot is kind of satisfying enough, ultimately. Smart enough. It, I didn't come out thinking, oh, that was a satisfying, yeah, or rap no or, way. or smart enough. Yeah, that's what I thought. You know what I kind of feel like, James? Just to bring it back to the trash idea, it's like, I've eaten. Watching Saltburn is a bit like eating an entire posh box of chocolates, you know? Yeah. But and you end it and you think, yeah, they were like, it was posh and well-designed and stuff, but I still feel like trash. I think it feels like, watching it feels like looking at a mood board of magazine cuttings and references. There's a sort of slightly kaleidoscopic mishmash of colour and stick that on that. Which again, video. it's kind of trashy. Like yeah, low yeah. quality, low Kind sos. of like a, a, a picture book of, of ideas. Mm. Scra- that, I think scrappiness that's to it. That's scrappiness well. to yeah. it. But then like so gorgeous to look at. Mm. Taylor Swift shoot your next music video there. Mm. Smashing. Guys, thank you so much for... Oh, sorry, go on. Just in case I, it was just me. Did mm. you find the audio the dialogue in the Oxford sections really muffled and hard hard to pick up on some of the dialogue. Nothing I recall. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Guys, thank you so much for sending in your thoughts to Saltburn. I'd love to pick up on this conversation. Yes. If people do get the oh. chance to see it and you feel uh, either similarly to us or differently to Kevin and Khadija, please send in your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, George. Sorry, just to bring this episode talk about films in a way just to a, mm. to, to a point. I mentioned that May, December and Saltburn are interesting comparisons together. Oh yes, you did. And I was, th- because I saw the one, uh, I saw May, December, then I saw Saltburn. And when I held them up next to each other, I was like, both are films, are, both are psychosexual thrillers about an outsider from a different class entering a world mm. with ambiguous intentions, okay? The difference is that Saltburn is all explicit. I mean, literally explicit. And but to all, the end. But like, yeah. but like, everything is like, wah, la, la, la. It's loud, yeah. it's, it's brash, it's trashy. Whereas May, December is subtle, implicit, undertone, and... I think on a way, personally, because it's probably down to taste, but when I held those two, two films up next to each other, I felt like May, December was much more the intelligent film, much more got under the kind of, the 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 the, the grit of that story. Whereas Saltburn, I was like, yeah, it was a lark, really. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lark, it's a joke. It's it's daft, but it's it's mm. kind of fun. But it's and yeah. then you look over at Times Miss Ripley, and it's like the most elegant, chic, yes, film you could ever watch. We've mentioned this on the show a couple of times. Delicate, but like I really, really cannot recommend that film enough. Oh, so we good. we I, I see it, see it, uh, and if you've seen it once, see it again. Yes, it gets it better. Really, it does get time. better. It, I, I did a perfect like six years apart yeah. when I rewatched it recently. It's, it's a really gorgeous looking film. It's beautiful. It's uncomfortable and. It's, it is really well written. The whole, mm. you're constantly watching Matt Damon, watching his brain tick and watching him calculate things. And it's so compelling and thrilling in a way that Barry Keoghan's character is not as interesting as Tom mm. Ripley. Go and see The Talented Mr. Ripley. Go and read Brides Have Revisited. Yeah. Like, it's great stuff. And, you know, enjoy Saltburn. I played Sebastian in yes. a sixth form play of Brides Have Revisited. Yeah, I um, very much enjoyed it. I wrote a uh, story. Because you don't strike me as a Sebastian. You strike me much more as a Charles. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's because I'm getting the Jeremy An Irons. actor, George, is a comedian uh, of all sorts. <laughs> a funny story. So when I was... Um, so a funny story. Yeah. The first night we performed that, there was, you know, like classic school play, very much like a revolving set of different things. Yeah. And like the stage crew who are like year seven kids, like coming on in crew blacks to like move stuff yeah. around. And there was this drinks trolley, you know, Sebastian, alcoholic and Brighton revisited that was like always being filled with glasses and things. And in one transition, this kid smashes a, 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 like very fine crystal glass right at the front center of the stage and there's smashed glass there but like before anyone can do anything lights are up into the next scene which i'm in and in this scene i meant to lie on that piece of stage oh. and have this very intimate moment with charles and i remember just seeing it like you know you're you're just you're <laughs> i'm operating at such a high frequency yeah. i'm nervous i'm prepared but i'm like i'm just gonna lie on this glass yeah, you did. <laughs> and i literally just like lay down and and i literally you could just hear the glass go <laughs> is it just stabbed into my side and people in the audience went <laughs> you're kind of dying for your art there i died for my art george but, yeah um yeah that was it moving on to the emails section of the show George, should we go through some of the emails that our loving sirens send into the Absolutely. podcast? Guys, if you want to send an email into the show, you can do by emailing into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com, just like Naomi did. Friend of the show says, hi guys, I recently watched the Marvels and I have to say, I don't think it was that bad. Like I reviewed the Marvels yes. uh, the other week. You were less I than enthusiastic. was not enthusiastic, but I did end up talking a lot more about the state of MCU and comic book films as a whole and what that film represented. But yes, that is there. Um, was it one, uh, Naomi goes on to say, was it 
one of the best Marvel movies? No, really not. But compared to recent projects, it is my favourite. Don't know when you're starting recent projects there. Post-Endgame, maybe? Probably. First of all, it was nice to see something that didn't feature Kang at all for a change. Yeah. I think it was a nice... Start. Kang's getting a long run-up into his Avengers if film. If he gets it. If he gets it. Whereas, like, Thanos put I on a glove. I mentioned that because they're talking about yes. pivoting away from like, Thanos, like, put on a glove, and then he was basically in. Anyway. anyway. Um, didn't feature Kang at all for a change. I think it was a nice standalone story that also fits into the bigger picture. The story was coherent. There was actually a purpose to everything that happened, not like in Quantum Mania, where they were just trying to find each other. So true. Can I, can I yeah. make a point, by the way? I was thinking mm. about this with Quantum Mania. Mm. Just a massive uh, tangent. Think back to Quantum Mania. I can. Remember, the first eight minutes is set on Earth, and then the whole Whoa! premise is. Yeah. Then they get sucked into the quantum yeah. realm because Cassie, his, her, his, his daughter, has been meddling about. And she's quantum remember, curious. Do you remember? She is. And do you remember Janet Van Dyne is like, you've been going into the quantum realm. No, don't go there. Here's all this I stuff just, I just, never explained. Just, just a thought, right? Wouldn't that have been more interesting if, like, Janet Van Dyne had said, don't go to the quantum realm. It's really, really dangerous. Mm. And we don't know anything about it, by the way. No no opening cans, Kang scene, okay? Yeah. Like, we do. And then Scott is like, yeah, yeah, we won't do it. We're going to shut it down. But then Scott gets an idea or somehow is given the idea that there's something of value to be gotten from mm. the quantum realm. Because remember, Scott used to be a thief, right? Yeah, heist. And so the heist part of his brain uh, is yeah. like, I know I shouldn't go to the quantum realm. But we could get... But if we went there, why don't we do it? And then it becomes a heist movie, heist gone wrong. Yeah. And then you also have a conflict then between the Van Dynes. And, and they're not trying to like, find each other. They've got to get something. They've also got to get something. Yeah. Do they get that thing? But I'm not saying... I'm, I'm not, don't, put me, don't put me in front of the movie. I'm not saying I'm going to write yeah. it. But I just thought... Just a, a, a morsel a of thing mo to do. drama. Just a morsel of more drama instead yeah. of just going, well, we're falling down the quantum hole. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, don't go down there. It's so dangerous. Like, at the end of the day, was it? You yeah. had, you had uh, Bill Murray having a laugh yeah. at a little space bar, lots of sort of lava lamp visuals. I, I guess Kang was there. Yeah. But it wasn't what I would describe as like an inherently dangerous environment. No. It's d dangerous they potential. They came back. I feel like you could, you could lay low there. Yeah, you could. You could lay low. Holiday, dare I say. Holiday. Just when everything's a bit much in the main realm. Just shrink it down. Go quantum. Anyway, I'm sorry, Naomi. No, I enjoyed that. The story went back on to the Marvels. The story was coherent. There was actually a purpose in everything that happened, not like in Quantumalia, where they were just trying to find each other. Also, we finally got answers as to why Captain Marvel never visited Monica. It also shows the side of Marvel that I really love. Not even superheroes are perfect. Now that we've seen that Captain Marvel went completely haywire over the supreme intelligence and almost destroyed an entire planet, I agree that this villain wasn't the best ever, but she didn't need to be. It was just a minor villain for one movie, and she was perfectly fine for that. She at least had a reason for her wrongdoing. It was willing to... Spoilers. Don't say. Don't say. Just because somebody had a reason and thing majig. That's what makes the best villains because, from her point of view, she isn't one. But last but not least, it had the first good post-credit scene in a long time. It promised something more. The next chapter in the MCU, and that got me really excited again for the upcoming Marvel movies. Thanks so much for your podcast, Naomi. Naomi, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. I think from reading your email, I disagree with certain elements. I think. I think we're both looking for very different things in a Marvel movie. And I'm not to say that Captain Marvel is the most unwatchable, atrocious film. I more just look at that style and what that gets me excited about. And it, and it's, it offers me so little as someone who I, I, th I consider myself someone who's paying attention and generally trying to like extract some value and mm. some originality from episode 35 of, of the Marvel show. Mm. And I'm just not finding it. So like, I, I, I disagree with some sense. I don't think that... Um, post-credit scene was that interesting we already knew that that thing was happening it's been alluded to for a long time 
Um, mm. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't find the villain. <laughs> that 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 is not the quality of villain. What was that again? Din Bar Ben 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 Dar Ben Ben Dar Ben. It was Dar Ben. Dar Ben. Dar Ben. Oh wow. Um, so I respectfully know me. I'm so glad you enjoyed it, but I do disagree. This next email is also from Naomi. Who, Coming in hot. Who, who Coming sent hot. another email after that email, about 45 minutes later, about James's other excoriating review on the Hunger Games. If I may, I have only- You may. I, I, I was very scathing about the Hunger Games. I only have one retraction. I stand by everything I said. I made a comment about the fact that it's heavily chaptered with the part one, part mm-hmm. two, part three, which felt to me watching it, who hadn't read a page of the book, like it was an afterthought. Somebody correctly in the YouTube comments said, actually, this, is the, this was the structure of the book. But anyway, and I said to him, thank you for letting me know. I still stand by everything else I said. As you were, George. Naomi says, hi guys. I've already watched Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes twice. Well done. I really loved it. Somehow they managed to put everything important from the book into the movie in less than three hours. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? (laughs) Which is really impressive because there was so much to tell. The cast is fantastic. It was like the characters I imagined while reading were actually coming to life. I'm a huge fan of Viola Davis and she is wonderfully creepy and crazy in this movie. I haven't seen Tom Blythe, Coriolanus Snow, in anything before, but I was really impressed and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him more often. You said like seeing him more often, like he's going to be down the shops. Yeah. Tom, Tom Blythe. Yeah. Although I'm not a huge fan of Rachel Zegler. I mean, there's a lot of negativity, but we talked mm. about this. I think, I guys, she's a human being. Let's move on. She can sing damn well. She really can. And there is therefore the perfect role of Lucy Gray. She can sing. She's technically an excellent singer. Could never, you can ask for a better singer when you cast someone to sing in a film. Unfortunately, the tone of the songs and the way in which there's something to be said for the delivery of music, mm. which just sometimes can feel like you're being sung at, mm. especially outside of a musical. God. To introduce that to a world, again, not read a page of the book, mm. I don't think The Hunger Games God. warrants itself to music outside of a. <laughs> I think that's it. Again, flashbacks to sort of It just felt like I was being karaoke. sung at. Like when Ken is like with the guitar. Yeah. Anyway, sober karaoke. You clearly see you can clearly see that they have put a lot of work and effort into the locations and, and the costumes. They perfectly show the transition from the war to the pretentious over-the-top style of the capital in the late Hunger Games movies. You can also tell by the detailed and accurate delivery of the dialogue and action that Suzanne Collins was a co-producer with some of the same music from previous films and the same director. There really is a, a familiar Hunger Games feeling, but with a new take on it. There is just one thing that might be confusing for people who, ha- who haven't read the book, as we already know. Just making sure this isn't a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. That's just general. As we already know, Coriolanus is pretty cr- cruel as a president later, but if you don't read his thoughts, you kind of miss the process of how he gets there from a young, innocent student that didn't even like the Hunger Games in the beginning. Nevertheless, as a huge fan of the franchise, I can say that the movie did not disappoint and even exceeded my expectations. I would proudly wear my mocking J-pin to go watch it again. Love your podcast. Well, there you go. I think Naomi, again, very happy for you that you enjoyed it. I think you are the target audience. There is a difference. As, you're as you're clearly it, the target yeah. audience. You've read the books. I think you have more of an affection for it than I did. I maybe, having not read the books, was not waiting to find out how they interpreted my favorite scene. Yes. And I was just, uh, I have to stand by what I said. I do think it was profa- profoundly boring mm. and just some, some misjudged character moments and dialogue that I just don't think jumped off the page. But Naomi, so, so happy for you that you enjoyed it. I hope other people who love The Hunger Games enjoy it too. As always with everything, I hope people enjoy the films they go and see in general. I don't like saying I don't like a film, but I really was irritated by it. This next one is from Matt, who writes in and says, Five Nights Review and Question. Right, for Five Nights at Freddy's. 
Violence of Freddy's. Which I also gave it. You know, George, rubbing. we came in hot the last couple of episodes. We, did. we really we did. We didn't hold back. I even put like the height of my of my scathing review and like the cold open because I thought that'll get people listening to the show. What film is he talking about? Anyway, hello, George and James. Says Matt. Uh, Matt, the cinema host here again. You'll be happy to know that since I last wrote in, I actually have a new job. Oh. I am no longer on the front lines in the cinema. My six years of active service in the cinema are up. Does this make me a veteran of sorts? Matt, thank you for your yes. service. Thank you for your service. Anyway, hope you're both well. I've been loving the pod recently. Congrats on your 100th episode. Thank you. Thank you. Listening to last week's episode, I found myself disagreeing with George's very passionate review of Five Nights at Freddy's. Definitely not the most amazing film I've ever seen, but I thought it was enjoyable. Maybe it was the popcorn. Maybe it was the nachos. Maybe it was the free tickets I got from the cinema host working who made sure to make friends with before I handed in my notice. Maybe <laughs> I just liked it. So here I am speaking on behalf of Freddy. I think the film hit me at the right time. My expectations weren't high going into it, so I wasn't sure what to expect. And, it's, and as it started, I just went with it. As it's a video game adaptation, uh, George, do you just want to comment on that? Um, it was the popcorn. It was the free tickets. <laughs> yeah, it, was it was the nachos. <laughs> the film is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very happy you enjoyed it, Matt. As, a as it's a video game adaptation, my question is, is there a particular video game, book or short story that you would like to see an adaptation of? My go-to answer at the moment would be God of War, which I'm certain a TV series is in the works for the IP. There is. Uh, anyways, I hope this question wasn't too long. Have a good one, lads, and keep being awesome. George, any, any IP that you're sort of Well, video gagging? game specific, right? Games for me, uh, I've always thought they should do Bioshock, but not do Bioshock 1. They should take the concept of Rapture and that whole idea of like an Iron Rand fallen society and tell us I'm assuming that like the execution is going to be good as the last of us by right. the way yeah. so it's like they've all usually been bad I'm assuming the love and care mm. is like of last of us caliber I, I, and I would go Bioshock yeah I also think that um I've, I've thought for ages they and they are doing Fallout mm. uh yeah but I've also I always said there's something I really liked about Fallout New Vegas where it yeah. was like that was kind of like an isolated story, very specific. It's about one, you know, you, everyone's trying to get to the tower in the mm. middle. It, there's all these different stories. I quite like the story of that. Um, I've all, I, I love the, have you ever played Fallout? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've always really enjoyed that. I've just thought that's kind of right it's for not my storytelling. Thing, um, isn't it quite similar to Bioshock? No. Okay, my mistake. No. Um, that, I, I, also, I would say, I know it seems like regressive to say this, mm. but like Red Dead Redemption... If they could do as any, so here's the, here's the question: if it's, when if you it's come Last to it. of Us caliber, the problem is is that you need to. Are we thinking about things that are already good and could enjoy a larger audience by putting it on a mainstream mm. TV show, or are we looking for something that doesn't quite get what it needs to from a video game exactly. format? And you need to up, you need to add cinem cinematography that, and the element of bet. Let's be honest, better storytelling that typically exists in films to elevate that or story. TV. Red Dead Redemption Two was a fucking incredible story. That genuinely. I don't I only played the first one. Tears blown away. Wow. And part of its charm was the fact that you were genuinely original encounters as you explored that world. It was really slow and really took its time, maybe a little bit too long towards the end, but you're like, I to you totally earned the right mm. to take that amount of time. Um, I This is a controversial one, if I may go on. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, right? Mo hold on. Most successful en entertainment IP of all time, right? If you were to capture that sense of satirizing American culture along with a real you take the elements of gta 5 of being a really great heist movie mm. you get a really sharp funny script for, with, with the wit and sharpness of something like a succession but you add like gone in 60 seconds in the italian job with mm. really great characters i think that'd be great the problem is nobody executes that well no but if i'm assuming it can be executed that well there is something in the gta zeitgeist that gets people excited mm. and i think that'd be cool i don't want to know 
And also, sorry, Matt, I personally don't want a God of War TV show. Mm. I don't think doing the Norse fantasy environment in a TV show with, frankly, like not enough budget is going to look good. Like, that is also fantastical. It's just Kratos is also like eight foot six, and that world is so well done in that video game world, and the story is, is fantastic, and, and it, uh, it's good enough and does everything it needs to in that sphere. Do so think- good. It's got a 2018. I'm Assassin's about. Creed would have been better as a TV show, probably, but I don't know if it would have gotten the budget to do it. The, the Assassin's Creed movie was a weird choice to have forgot, so much. That's of a forgotten it film. Out of the animus, it felt, it felt like the whole of the actual assassin bits were tacked on, and the bit famously like the I old Assassin's it, Creed games, people rarely care about like the outside existential oh, yeah, Desmond, story. Yeah. They're actually just quite happy to be the assassin yeah. that they saw on the box of the game. It's where they kind of the point in the hindsight they were like, why did we even have that whole? Yeah. like no one really cares about the conspiracy and like a structure they want to climb up a building as an animus it's like you you get into this machine that allows you to live the memories of your ancestor but the ancestor doesn't isn't connected to the person from the future so it's a little bit of disconnect of like you're going back in time to mm. do something but actually you're not controlling them but they don't know you're controlling them and i think cinematically that that dynamic of like who's connected oh yeah there's no causal relationship as well because do that one character can progress and not affect the other yeah i did it just didn't quite come across unfortunately despite fassbender casting this next email is from craig who says my favorite still photography catch hi james and george slash george and james Mm -hmm. i'm a relatively new listener to the podcast by only a few months I have followed your TikTok for a long, long time, but nice. only recently started listening, and I am loving it. You slowed down like um, like an Alec Guinness. Now that's a name I've not heard uh, for a long, a long, long time. time. Just he says loving it in capital letters and exclamation marks. If you put emphasis and and I will read it yes. with such. I work as a manager in a multi-arts venue called Summer Hall in Edinburgh, yeah. and I often listen on a single solitary AirPod while other headphones are available. Well, I've been to Summer Hall. Oh, really? Yeah. While setting up for events, gigs, weddings, etc. Nice. Anyway, you spoke briefly in your 100th episode, congrats, by the way, Thank about you. the importance of a still photographer on set, mm. and they often catch piece, pe- um, pieces of gold like Scorsese and Gladstone in the church for Killers of the Flower Moon. We mm-hmm. talked about a still photographer is like, you know, there and you know, catching yes. the yeah, behind-the-scenes footage, but also captures stills from them shooting that they then use in the marketing of it, mm-hmm. but they're right in the action. They're right there. Yep. One of my favorite pieces of perfectly timed stills photography is from Timothy Chalamet's movie, The King. Mm. Timothy is leaning over his chair, taking directions from David Michod and the the director. And the photographer captured this, probably thinking nothing of it. And it ended up being the poster for the entire film campaign. I have attached the images below. Although the film was average, I always thought that enjoyed this little fact. Do you have any similar photography tidbits? Keep up the good work. By the way, Revenge of the Sith is a great film. And if you're in Edinburgh, come stop by. I'm coming to Edinburgh like next week. Sent from a rotary phone in the library downstairs because it is dark upstairs and I'm afraid of the dark. James, here are the photos. I'm looking at them now. There is the top one of... And then yeah. that is the poster they made afterwards. Maybe James, you could put this on the screen for oh, any, for any yeah, viewers. That is, you know what? I will put on the screen. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. I also that's think totally, yeah they, they've given him some extra like they've digged up the clarity dramatic, slider yeah. and like really would give it some crunch but uh, that is really interesting I also think that that film I know you said the film was average um, I've uh, not Craig, seen it I, I really thought I, it. I actually think it was better than people gave I really it's enjoyed good, it it was well reviewed yeah it, well I don't know it was mixed <laughs> it was given mixed but, but no, no 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 it was given mixed it was, I, I, I thought it was solid like yeah. it, was, it was perfectly fine it was really portentous Chalamet coming out of Call Me By Your Name as well yeah I really I thought it was perfectly solid 
It was fine. A lot of people, a lot of these people critics got wound up by the fact they were like, oh, well, it's Henry V, but it's not Shakespeare, but they've kept Falstaff, who wasn't even a real character. I'm like, who cares? We're here for the trebuchets and we're here for the, the knights in armor, okay? Oh yeah, great trebuchet yeah. action in this. Yeah. Very well shot film. Anyway, thank you, Craig. This next one is from Joel, who writes in and says, hi guys, big fan of the show. I recently watched 2001 A Space Odyssey for the first time. Wow. We talked Many weeks times. ago about, is it good? Should you watch it? We discussed it. Uh, I've been recommended this by a lot of, by, by a, a lot by a couple of my mates. I was really excited as I heard such great things. As you know, there is no dialogue for a good twenty minutes at the start of the film. Mm. When the film entered the first scene that included dialogue, I found out it was in French. No, no. As I knew it was supposed to be in English, it's safe to say I was fuming, and it took me completely fumé. out of fumé. <laughs> Je suis désolé. Assuming, and it took me completely out of the film. I closed my laptop in complete rage and needed a long walk to feel better. It has been a month now and I still haven't gone back to it. Have you ever had a viewing experience that has completely ruined your outlook on a film? Cheers, Joel. Well, I imagine that would annoy you if you've yeah. 20 minutes, but you should, you, I think you can safely pick up yeah. from where you started because that, that opening is iconic and distinctive and you remember what exactly what happens. You can go in to the rest of the film. Um, Viewing experience is ruined. Well, what I would say is I'll bring this back to an episode last year when I, when we reviewed After Sun and anyone who was listening at that time and whether we've had a lot of new uh, listeners yeah, then yeah. will remember that I missed mm. the first opening. Well, I didn't know how long I'd missed. I yeah. thought it was about two minutes, could have been four minutes. I missed the beginning of After Sun and it completely, because of... Because of a long thing, we, we were talking about, you know, this. usually there's- You can't guarantee there's 25 minutes of usually, ads. But usually, I've been going to the cinema a long time and yeah. usually there is 23 minutes of adverts, okay? <laughs> and I'd been to this cinema before and it is, and I went in and they'd only done maybe maximum 10, okay? Yeah. I was I was 12 minutes past the sh- advertised show time, which is normally plenty of time. They're not even, sometimes, sometimes they're not even showing the trailers then. And sometimes mm. now I'll go and see a film and they'll give me half an hour of adverts yeah. and I'll go, Ugh. anyway, I missed the beginning. It completely threw me and it really did affect my enjoyment of that film. And I'm, I'm, I, I have a note in my head to go and watch After Sun. Anyway, I bring, I mentioned this again because when Anna and I went to Florida, mm. we're on the plane and After Sun is one of the films. Now, After Sun is not the kind of film I want to watch on a plane, but I said, ha, huh, Let's see how much we missed. Mm, I remember you saying. And we put it on and we watched it and we missed five minutes of the beginning, <sighs> which is, is a significant portion. And if you look at, the problem is with Afton is not problem, but the thing is with Afton, because it's such a tight lip, tightly lipped film, mm. it doesn't reveal a lot of information. It's a textural one. We were looking at all the things you're told cinematically mm. in the opening five, five minutes about the tone of the film, the perspective of the film, and I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is this would have been crucial. You're not watching it, you're thinking, what could have possibly been said or been set up that would explain this? You know what's also equally annoying about that phenomenon of film starting like five minutes after the time they say they do? Is that even if you're perfectly on time, you're going to see groups of people in yes. the next 25 minutes walk in, which That's exactly I also find distracting when that happens. I think... I think passages when I saw that that was I think I said it was like seven minutes after mm. the the call time it was going and you get people coming in and you're distracted because I'm like god they've missed all the setup yeah. and they're confused they've got their phone torch it's bad for the rest yeah. of the people Maybe I would also just say that aside no matter how long the adverts are on for whether it's seven minutes 12 minutes or half an hour it doesn't matter what film I see mm. every time I go to the cinema Without fail, there is always someone coming in ten minutes after the time the film yeah. starts. It's like really late. it's like it's an automated bot that the cinema wheels out and they go and start the film and now start the late comer. Should there well. be a rule from when the opening 
second of the film starts, you've got six minutes. Should there be a cutoff? Should 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 the cinema multiplex stop at a picture house? Essentially, go. Sorry, the actual film's now started. It's distracting. Yeah, hard to police though. It's hard. Thank you for that. This last email is from Lucy, and it's she writes in big capital size forty size forty font. Like, hey boys. The opportunity to message you after our latest episode where you mentioned Band of Brothers was too good to pass up. Nice. I just finished rewatching the series a day ago. Oh, nice. I'm a serial rewatcher and probably watch it once mm. a year. Well, I just wanted to sing its praises on the off chance that anyone hasn't seen it. Band of Brothers, remember everyone. Directed by, well, no, no, produced by Spielberg okay. and Tom Hanks. 2001 series. It's, I think it still holds up. We're both keen to rewatch it. It's a it. big box set. Yeah. Everyone's got the box. Oh, I've set. got the, the metal box. Oh, look at yeah, my steel case. Out. Yeah, yeah, steel oh, case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spend no expense. Um, I just want to sing it in my uh, praises of it. Blah, blah, blah. Um, in case anyone hasn't seen it, I know you often get asked about your favorite film scores, and the Band of Brothers score is definitely at the top for me. Absolutely. Michael Carman's score is iconic. I lis- I've listened to that so much. The opening theme is, it, is amazing. Sorry? I can't say I have it like in oh, frontal lobes. I can't do it. Yeah. But it's, it's, like, <laughs> Get out of it though. Um, I remember because also that's Michael Carman's last score as well. I think he died the following year. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's brilliant. Great, great opening scene. Anyway, nice. um, I never skip the opening credits because I enjoy it so much. And in its final rendition in the last episode during the mm-hmm, coupled with the voiceover, um, it, it makes me bored every time. I agree. That last, oh, that last episode when they, it's called the, um, on the score, it's called the Band of Brothers Requiem. It's so moving. Oh. Like most people, I hope I'm very, an- <laughs> like most people, I hope I'm very anti-war and find a lot of war films, I'm looking at you, Hacksaw Ridge, to be overly saccharine, yes. pro-war, and just a bit of an awkward watch at times. Thank God, you. God, 104 episodes, or however since I brought it up. Thank you, I feel Lucy. so heard. It is weirdly pro-war and fetishizing yes. of yes. like be- going above and beyond to be this creepy hero it's just it's an incredible story weirdly executed sorry lucy thank you however when i'm wiping away that final tear after watching band of brothers i find myself thinking wow that's what a real hero looks like crying emoji for anyone in the uk that wants to watch it both band of brothers and the and the pacific are now on now tv nice also i would agree that band of brothers is better than the the pacific (laughs) the specific which is also written Band of Brothers as B.O.B. So I'm saying Bob. Bob. But I still think that the Pacific is good and worth watching all the way through. Mm-hmm. Also, also, how good does Band of Brothers look considering its age? Yeah. Excluding the one parachute scene with awful CGI. Guys, it was 2001. Yeah. I'm always by- surprised by how it feels like it could have been shot a, a couple of years ago rather than 22 years ago. Mm. That's all for now. Thanks, lads. I agree. It looks fantastic. Thank you very much, Lucy, for that email. Guys, thanks so much for sending you. in your Always emails. You. Always great to hear from you guys. Send us your thoughts about Saltburn, about May, December, about all sorts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. George, as always, it's time to play a game. George, as always, Pop Kitchen ends with a game. With a game. George, I've got a new game for you. It's Ooh. one of those, like, it's like a limited series. It's only going to play it once. Okay. We can't possibly play it again because we'll wow. have done it, right? I've split it into two rounds. George... Disney films. Okay. Timeless. We grew up with them. D- what, they yes. still, they're still going on. Yes. Have some of the most famous songs, mu- mostly musicals. Yes. Have some of the most famous songs ever sure. in them. But my question to you, George, is can you tell me the Disney movie from the song? I'm going to say probably not because I haven't seen that many Disney movies. But you'll know at least. Uh, sure. Okay. Right, George. Are you ready? Please play along at home. 
You have to guess the Disney movie from the song. Ready? Three, two, one. A Whole New World. Um, uh, Aladdin. Hakuna Matata. Jung- uh, Lion King. <laughs> I Won't Say I'm In Love. Uh, Hercules. Uh, Let It Go. Uh, Frozen. Yes. Ever, Ever After. Ever, Ever After. Uh, Enchanted. Uh, when You Wish Upon a Star. Oh, that not that like Dumbo? No. Same era? Yeah. Lies. He lies a lot. Lies. Pinocchio. Ah! Under the sea. Um, Little Mermaid. Yes. Once upon a dream. Um, dream. Something to do with dreaming. <laughs> Once upon a dream. Who would be asleep? Uh, a Sleeping Beauty. Yes. <laughs> be our guest. Um, Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Portobello Road. It's hard. Portobello. Sorry, no, wait, wait, wait. Bre- uh, I oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Colors of the wind. Right, wind. Something to do with my the favorite. Air. One of my favorites. One of your f- Mary Poppins. No. Wait, wind. Air travel in it. <laughs> I haven't seen all these films. Air travel. Colors can Colour? you paint with all the colors. Uh, the no, I don't know. Pocahontas. Po- 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 uh, reflection. Re- Tarzan. No. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, reflection. Little Mermaid again. Oh no. Wait, no, 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 wait, wait. Lion King. No, 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 Stitch. <laughs> Mulan. Oh. Uh, a dream is a wish your heart makes. A dream is a wish. A dream. Yes, God, you really don't know these. I don't know them at all, no. Cinderella. Oh. Um, someday my prince will come. The OG. It could be anything. Pr- uh, What's one day my prince? Cinderella? Snow White. A spoonful of sugar. Mary Poppins. Yes. The Bare Necessities. A Jungle Book. Yes. Okay, that was round one. I, oh, I haven't, haven't seen like these films. Teeth. Yeah, it's quite revealing. I genuinely haven't. Quite revealing. It's seen, okay. That's hard, okay, because I haven't seen a lot of them. And look, I only saw Mulan for the first time in 2019. God, that is late to Mulan. And the best song in that is not Reflections, whatever you said it was. It's oh, the, Someday I'll make, make a, a man. man. I like it when you say, who is the girl? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Right, George, round two. Am I allowed a little bit more time to I'll maybe you try and get time. the answer? I'm, can I at least try and put it together? Because I'm not going to know it instinctively. Yeah, yeah. Some of them you can you can figure out. There's some harder ones in here, but uh, I think it's none of it's beyond you. George. As always with the games. <laughs> George, you have to guess the Disney movie from the song. Ready? You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Um, you can fly, you can fly. Dumbo. No. Why? Another one where they learn to fly. Um, they learn to fly. Second star to the right and straight until dawn, morning. Peter Pan, you've got a friend in me. Toy Story. Yes, you'll be in my heart. You'll be in Dumbo. No. (laughs) Phil Collins. I haven't seen seen these films. (laughs) Um, God help the outcasts. God help the outcasts. The outcasts. Paris. Paris. Ratatouille? Nope. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Why should I worry? I don't know Oliver these, and James. Company, that's hard. I don't hard. know these. Best of friends. I don't know. Tragic, Best. sad. One of the saddest films. No, similar. Cinema caliber of sad. The Fox and the Hound. Oh. If I, uh, sorry, Breaking Free. Breaking. Dumbo. No! <laughs> From our teen years. Our teen years. We're Breaking Free. High School Musical. Yeah. <sighs> Cruella de Vil. Uh, 101 Dalmatians. Yes. Baby Mine. You've said it four times. Dumbo! Yes! Yes! <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cat. The Aristocats. Yes. Mother Knows Best. Dumbo! <laughs> I don't know. Tangled. It's oh. over. It's done. Um, 
The Phil Collins Tarzan soundtrack Terrible? is incredible. Oh, is it? Have you seen, you've seen Tarzan? At the cinema once when I was a kid. That soundtrack, I mean, this is old news. This is not an original thought. Is phenomenal. It goes in hard. Phil Collins did not phone it in. No. He uh, just every there's like multiple amazing songs. You can flick on the Tarzan soundtrack on a on a low day, sort you right out. Do you know what it's film Depression Solver? No one ever talks about anymore, and is forgotten off the face of the earth. Not that Tarzan. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Legend of Tarzan from 2015 with Alexander Skarsgård and Margot Robbie? Gosh, Margot Robbie yeah, in that, and he goes back to the jungle. He's a gentleman. He goes back to the jungle. That. Zilch. Because Tarzan's had Zip. many... Uh, it's got a deep history in film, doesn't it? Tarzan. Yes. I can't but, say but, I know I, but in the past 25 years, only those two films. I've seen one, which is the Phil Collins edition. Yeah. Which is fine. That is hard, but I feel no yeah. guilt about that because I haven't seen it. If I'd seen those films and I couldn't get it, I'd feel stupid. But yeah. I haven't seen them. And you know what, guys? I, I It's not because I'm a snob. They just I just didn't see them at home. Yeah. I just didn't. Is okay. your older brother not into Disney? Um, so I think there's responsibility of older siblings to introduce no, no, I think parents anti-Disney. Not anti at all. I think that we just, I just don't think we were that interested. Yeah. Oh, I wow. don't remember. I just don't remember ever. The only time I ever saw those films mm. was at school. What? I, saw so I used to watch all of them on VHS. I don't, think I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen Aladdin all the way through. I don't think. I, I, I went through, through a phase these, where I watched, I came home and I put Aladdin on every single I would never. I would never watch, I would never watch a Disney film at home like that. Pixar, yes. Mm. Star Wars, yes. I have a really vivid memory of discovering discovering Robin Williams is not the genie in my life. Like I remember, like really knowing the genie from Aladdin, yes. and then seeing Robin Williams, and obviously his comedic style is so distinct. I was like, oh my god, that's the genie. Yeah. And then realizing Robin Williams is like a whole thing. You had stuff. sisters. Uh, two older sisters. sisters. They watch lots of Disney. Trickle down, but... Yeah, lots of like uh, like less uh, sort of typically masculine Disney films, which I, I watch loads of, but I always loved them. Mm. Well, thank you. Because I have some, I have some guy friends with only brothers mm. that didn't watch like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty or even Mulan because it had a woman on the cover. Do you have any other games for me? Yeah, yeah, I've got more. Oh, great! Oh, yeah, Bring yeah. It. We've got a name seven in thirty. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, George, I'm going to give you a task, and you have to name seven of the films in thirty seconds. Just getting, I'm stalling for time while I get my clock. George, are you ready? I'm ready. Ready? Mm-hmm. In thirty seconds. Name seven films with the word day in the title. Your time starts now. One day. Yep. The day after tomorrow. Yep. Dog day afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, Independence day. Yep. Um, Patriots day. Yep. Day, uh, night and day. Yep. And day, day for night, day, 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 Daniel Day Lewis, day, <laughs> day. Oh, uh, uh, die another day. Yes. 23 seconds. Very good. Very good. Enjoyed that? Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I thought you'd get. Oh, yeah. No, thank yeah. You that. Are you going to give me name seven movies with night in the title now? No, no. That would be a good one. I'll, I'll hold that. Uh, T2 Judgment Day. Oh, of course. Would work. Yes. Um, Snow Day. No, I don't know it. One Fine Day. The Remains of the Day. Mm. I've put night and day as well, because that one was fun. Right, George. Lastly, we've got this or that. Okay. Now, last week... Well, you took tra- too much time. No. You took too much time no, on a couple no, of them. No, 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 On a couple no, of them. No. The, the rest, the, the Disney I stuff I'll give you. I can't give you a gut answer George. when I haven't seen the film. Let go of your ego. <laughs> and I just need you to respect the game. And when I ask you this or that, just turn up. Okay? Okay. George, 
Uh, guys, if you don't know this game... This is the you, most stressful game. This is the most stressful game. I'm going to give George two films, directors, actors, entities, styles, and he has to just very quickly tell me, in quickfire, what he thinks. Think deep psychological experiment of a character who needs I'm, analysis before okay. he can be let back out into gonna, the field. I'm going to try and concentrate. George, yeah. which one of these do you prefer? Get Out or Barbarian? B Barbarian, actually. Aquaman or The Flash? Uh, I, I've not Quick. seen. I've not seen. I've not. I've not concentrated. I've, I've, I've not seen. Ah, start again. I've not stop. Quick. Stop. Stop. I've not seen. Unbelievable. I've not just seen the Flash. Uh, yeah, the Flash. Because I've not seen Aquaman. Christ. The David Fincher or Christopher Nolan. Um. Quick. N Nolan. Denzel maybe? Washington or Marlon Brando. It's it. Sorry, but every time I just give an answer, say. I, I, I regret it immediately. This is a null round. I have to start. We what? have to start again now. But this is exactly what I said you couldn't do. You're getting worse. You're because getting worse. Every time I give an answer, I, I regret it immediately. But you have to, uh, people will understand that you're just giving a pure gut. Okay. I, don't need, I don't need a review. You know, okay. frankly, we've heard enough of your long takes. Okay. All the, the rest of the show is you giving a very calculated response. Okay. Great, okay. I love it. This okay. is not that time. It's stressful, James. I know it is. Okay, go, go. I'm, try I, I'm trying to help you too. <laughs> okay, let's go. I have to pick up from the middle of this round. Yeah, let's go, that's fine. Three, two, one. Denzel Washington or Marlon Brando? Uh, Marlon Brando. Wonder Woman or The Green Lantern? Uh, Wonder Woman. Saving Private Ryan or The Lord of the Rings? Uh, I've not seen the latter really that much, so save the Brother Ryan. Pirates of the Caribbean or Fast and Furious? Pirates of the Caribbean. Scream or Halloween? Scream. Lost in Translation or Apocalypse Now? Uh, random. Uh, <laughs> Apocalypse Now. Bread or Pasta? Pasta. Batman Begins or Pan's Labyrinth? Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Captain America the Winter Soldier or Captain America Civil War? Uh, Winter Soldier. The Incredibles or Monsters, Inc.? Uh, the Incredibles. Paul Meskel or Sasha Ronan? Mm, Sasha Ronan? Darren Aronofsky or Alejandro Inuritu? Uh, Aronofsky. Ant-Man or Jumanji? Uh, Jumanji, I guess. <laughs> Pearl Harbor or Hacksaw Ridge? Pearl Harbor, I guess. E.T. or Jaws? Mm, Jaws. Last one, Toy Story or Shrek? Toy Story. Ooh, you got into it. I did. But Time. you know what? The thing is, I, by, I completely... I stopped the blood flowing to yes. any other part of my body than my brain. <laughs> I should hope so. So I don't know what that's going to look like Good. as a social because I am basically mm. a statue. Yes. It's pure subconscious. You put your world of the dream and then you build the dream. You give me another one? Yeah, as well. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And I'm serious. I want you to just... I'm not going to look at you. That's why I have to look at... Yeah, right don't space. look at me. Don't feel the judgment. It's just no, I, 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 I genuinely find it hard. I'm not in the practice. I don't want giving... everyone to know that there is no that you can't. It's impossible to just say this person's better. But it's just on a gut feeling. If I was just to offer them on two under two cloches of the plate, which one would you fancy right now? That's what the game's all about. Okay. No one's going to be like, oh, you like you like saving by Ram or Lord of the Rings. Some it's just will. it's just a little a sense of a feeling. That's why I like this game. There's no prep. Okay. Right, George, are you ready? Last round, then you're off the hook. You have to tell me which one of these you prefer. Ready? The Dark Knight or Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, Dark Knight. Mean Girls or Legally Blonde? Mean Girls. The Babadook or Platoon? Uh, platoon. Tilda Swinton or Nicole Kidman? Uh, Tilda Swinton. The Shining or The Exorcist? The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Uh, I would say Shining. Clueless or Ten Things I Hate About You? Ten Things I Hate About You. Demi Moore or Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett. Inglorious Bastards or Goodfellas? Goodfellas. Home Alone or Elf? 
Home Alone. Ratatouille or Finding Nemo? Finding Nemo. Ice cream or cake? Cake. <sighs> Scream or Halloween? Oh, we've got that in there. Uh, uh, oh, The Sixth Sense or Donnie Darko? Donnie Darko. Inception or The Matrix? The Matrix. Lars von Trier or Terence Malick? Terence Malick. Matilda or The Parent Trap? Not seen Parent Trap, has to be Matilda. Last one, Jesse Eisenberg or Andrew Garfield? Garfield. You really withdrew. I there. did. I gave, but I gave you answers. You did. You, you were delivering. Here's me all being <laughs> like, ah, showmanship, but I'm terrible at it. If you want me, to, I, I'm a different person. Jesus Christ. Uh, that, was, that will be more tiring more for you than the entire episode. Yeah. Trying to be smart for 40 minutes was equally as tiring as like the six minutes of those games for you. What do you mean trying to be smart? Being, being very smart. <laughs> being, trying and being. Yeah, thank you. I'm exhausted now. I'm, you exhaust me, guys. Sorry about George. Thank you so much hey, for listening to this. Give um, me a break. No, they were good fun. Very revealing. Very enjoyable. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pulp Kitchen. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank you for liking. Thank you for subscribing. Don't forget we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. Stay out. Stay out. Sorry. Stay tuned for our bonus. <laughs> My brain's fried. Stay tuned for our bonus this oh, yeah. week, which is about The Crown, season six, part one. James has also seen Bottoms and he's also seen Bad Taste, the Peter Jackson movie. I didn't even say that looking at the camera because I'm so used to looking into space now to concentrate. Again, guys, thank you for your emails and please like, subscribe, follow, share, shout from the rooftops. We really appreciate it. We love your support. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. It's great. Have Have us. Follow us on Instagram because we're going to be going to the Crown premiere next yeah. week, which should be really good fun. You can see all the shenanigans from that. Yeah, the finale pr- celebration part two. for yeah. part two. And lots of other fun stuff as well. Yeah. So keep up with us there. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good Thank week. You.